Hello and welcome to Magic Mics, where we're all just a bunch of coins. This is episode 15, Dear John from 2010. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And Joe, I forgot until I was looking at our document, I'm like, oh, I have to come up with a new intro every episode, because we couldn't find one that we we, we enjoyed. And oh, that's so right. Every episode was a different thing. Like, do we look like we own tights? So when like the opening voiceover says like you know I just I felt like I was a coin. I'm like even if this is not a through line, we're using this. So and it then was a through line. Spoiler. It was a big big through line. But we are back here. Joe, do you want to guess before we introduce our guest? Do you want to guess when we recorded or when we released our last episode? Oh God, uh, like June twenty. 20- 20 uh july august of 2020 it's july 2019 three and a half years ago we put out do you remember the last movie we did ragazzi no it wasn't that one no gi joe the rise of cobra that makes sense yes 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 i do remember which we have another gi joe movie coming up where i think he has a cameo maybe i remember none of this movie of the rise of cobra almost uh but we've got retaliation coming up if we do more of these, I don't know, TBD, but we're back here because on Too Fast, Too Forever, the show that you and I do regularly every week, which is the same show as this, just about different Literally movies. Literally the same show. It's the same show. And I also don't think anybody's listening to this. Like, I don't know. I, if if you are still subscribed to this, send us an email, magicmikes at cageclub.me. I want to know, or family at cageclub.me. Like, if you're listening to this, please let us know because you are the real stand for sticking around. This was originally supposed to come out, oh, because it was every three months. It was supposed to come out. October 11th, 2019. Missed that target by a little bit, but here we are. <laughs> Better late. Better late than never. But with us tonight, someone who has been waiting for three and a half years to cover this movie. He signed up all the way back then when he was just the host of... Wait, was your other show... When did your when did your current main show start? Was it before 2019? Oh, way before, yeah. Because you originally did... Oh, I guess PSI Love Hoffman started in like 2017, so that was done by 2018, so High School Summer Party had already existed. If you don't know those shows, get with it, cageclub.me slash shows, or just cageclub.me slash Brian. We got Brian Rodriguez. Hello, Brian. Question for both you guys. Yeah. When was the last time your ridges have been rimmed and beveled? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's where you're starting? I'm a coin in the United States Army. I was minted in the year 1980. I've been punched from sheet metal. I've been stamped and cleaned. My ridges have been rimmed and beveled. But now I have two small holes in me. I'm no longer in perfect condition. Well, the coin monologue is amazing here. And Joey, I got a question for you specifically. I think this is also your debut on Magic Mike, just so you know. But yes, please go ahead. Nice. Can you please, on one of your dating profiles, I don't care which one of all the apps you use, uh-huh. can, can you please use this coin monologue in there somehow? You don't have to put that you're in the military. I don't want you to lie about that. That's not right. But just, you know. I'm not stealing valor. Just, <laughs> no, no. Just say, I am a coin. I was minted in the year 1980 or whatever year you were born. Seven. Seven. You were born in, I thought it was 88 maybe, but 87. I've been punched from sheet metal. I've been stamped and cleaned and my ridges have been rimmed and beveled. And now I have two small holes in me. Oh, well, maybe, maybe, 
maybe stop before that. <laughs> you should have more than two holes. <laughs> I'm no longer imperfect. I've said, I don't remember I left in an episode or not. I think I left in the episode with Montez that we just did for for Fast and Furious in lap 12, that I used the Dom 80% yep. Devil, 20% Angel in a dating profile, and it worked once. Um, <laughs> but I never actually met the girl because she, she wanted to leave New Jersey very badly. But like movie quotes do sometimes work. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Did she want to leave New Jersey very badly on her way to your house or just in general? No, it, the story was that – I mean, I, I know that you listened to the show, so you already heard the story. So I'll just you know, refresh I'm your joking. memory for the listeners of Magic Mike's. Okay, fine. What? I was kidding. Yeah, I hope she didn't want to leave New Jersey on the way to your house. Like she got second second thoughts. Forget it. Oh no, I thought you were saying that like she like lived out of state. I th- I saw that as a compliment. Like she couldn't wait to like get here. I don't. I uh, misinterpreted what you were saying. I saw it as a compliment, not an insult. It was an insult. So it was definitely an insult. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Like objectively, like logically, it's an insult. Like there's no way it's going to be positive. But I heard it as a positive. <laughs> and I want to have your brain. Because that was delightful. Can you imagine somebody goes around and be like, they were trying to get the fuck away from you, and you're like, that was such a great compliment. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, the, pa- the, the patrons thing. knew I, I complimented you before with another. Brian, this thing. is a different feed now. We're not talking about the patrons anymore. No, but I'm saying they know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get them to buy in. It, it's a. It's a better experience on the Patreon. Yeah, if you want to support this show, go to go to patreon.com slash too fast too forever and support us over there where you get to hear a twenty minute or so I don't know it's gonna get edited down too because there's stuff in there that we can't talk about publicly, uh fifteen, eighteen minutes that we just talked about like in a preamble to Dear John. So True. Go do that. But Dear John, not streaming anywhere, is a a romantic drama about a soldier who falls for a conservative college student while he's home on leave. Now, had either of you seen this movie before? Because I had not. No. I had not, and I have no idea why I signed up for it. That's what's hilarious. I I think you were probably bullied into it by Joe, to a certain extent. I don't think so. Joe, you're not really a bully. Well, I think it was more like, because you love on... High School Slumber Party, and also some every once in a while on Too Fast, doing a romance film. Not a rom-com, not a rom-drom, just like straight-up romance film, right? And I yes. think that, that this was probably in that aesthetic, I, I would imagine. But True. I hate Nicholas Sparks. I, I did talk Caligula on your Patreon feed, so I am into romance. That, that is correct. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, honestly, at the time, if I can put my mindset in, when was this list made? Like, oh, sign up for this. Do you Do you remember when? It would have been twenty eight. So we the first episode of Magic Mike's came out December eleventh, twenty seventeen. So happy almost five years of doing this okay. show. Oh, nice. Episode Congrats. fifteen. Uh, but you either probably signed up like before that or sometime between. I don't know because it was monthly, and then we slowed it down every three months, and then we stopped it altogether. So I have no idea when you signed up for it. My guess, honestly, is that like High School Slumber Party, I probably started it around then, and I'm like, just get on every show, just try to promote it that way. Um, and I just like I that makes sense. I'm yeah. familiar with this movie. It seems like a fun watch, and I signed up for it. I hadn't seen it. I'm very familiar with Nicholas Sparks, obviously, but it, this was one that I guess I missed. Joe, this completes our tic-tac-toe of Nicholas Sparks. We've covered The Notebook for Boyfriend Material. Yes. We've covered The Lucky One for Zach Zach. Yes, that's right. And we've covered now Dear John for Magic Mike's. He's also done A Walk to Remember. He's done The Last Song with Miley Cyrus. And he did Safe Haven, a movie with Julianne Huff and Josh Duhamel, which I kind of liked, too. Like, I 
like all these movies, and I don't really know why, but I I, I think it's because, oh, they're, they're two handsome actors that I really like watching, and, like, the movie doesn't make you think at all. And? No, it's and? so, so, so comforting, but also this one definitely made me tear up a lot, which I had problems with, but really? that's a difference. Yes. We will talk not, about not that. A, not, a, not about their relationship, but about the dad. I just felt bad for him. Like, oh, okay. The, the, uh, the, it had nothing to do with Channing. And just... Amanda Seyfried is a monster in this film. We'll get to that. Ra- yeah, Rachel has thoughts. <laughs> I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. Speaking of Jesus Christ, the third reason you love this movie. <laughs> Joey. Because he's present in everything that we do. Well, yeah, exactly. Because you are a fundamentalist Christian, red state Right-wing MAGA Republican, remember? My 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 review on Letterboxd, because there was a point where Savannah has a party at her, like, plantation-style beach home. Yes, oh, she yeah. does. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes she and does. I was... I said it's around the time they went to Savannah's party at the plantation-style beach home that I wondered, are any are any characters in this movie not racist? It's a fun game to play. There's no wrong answer because nothing's ever explicitly said, but the answer is probably no. I think every single person in this movie, every character, not every actor, but every character in this movie <laughs> probably hates black and brown people. Yes, I, I would think so too. And you know, even Channing, like begrudgingly in the military, just like I don't want to, I don't want to serve with them, but like he has to. But like <laughs> it is. There's there there are politics at play here in in, in you know unspoken ways. Oh, there is, and I think the the biggest culprit would be Mean Girls. I think that she's probably the most racist of them all. Well, she has no like societal or cultural like understanding or like decorum. She just says things. She she she, she does. I'm not sure, but that's definitely the surrogate for Nicholas Sparks. Like he, if you look him up, he's not the. I don't want to cancel him on this podcast because I know, you know, your listeners are very... He definitely listens. This has hundreds of thousands of listeners. This is honestly, Brian, this is the safest space, the safest (laughs) public space you could ever say anything. Now, we've all changed our opinions. I'm sure if my text messages from high school were published... Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, you know, would think I was a monster. And I'm only saying that because I think that's true of a lot of people, right? But, like, back in, in Nicholas Sparks' oh, heyday, yeah. he was, like, notoriously homophobic, notoriously not. I mean, really? I believe the story, and I'd have to Google this, is, like, he actually opened a school that was, like, pretty right-wing, and they didn't allow, like, LGBTQ clubs. And Was it a pay-for-play university that ultimately failed terribly? I, I, I think that this <laughs> sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> Not too far off with that, probably. I don't know. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Good. The, the lawyers can't get us in trouble now. We said that word. Um, <laughs> I mean, when when I watch this in the lens of 2022, it is definitely in America that I know exists, but I'm a little uncomfortable with it in a sense. Like, thank- I'm not in it. We're not in it. No, I mean... This no. is an America that I that I don't see. We like, did start this podcast in the Trump era, and we are living now in a post-Trump era, but he's still around. So we, America no, has not changed. That. I'm saying, like, I don't live in a societal group that is people that have plantation beach houses oh, and sure. also are yeah, in yeah, the yeah. military. Well, I this think is also just worth, ne- neither of these things I exist around. It's worth noting that the four movies I listed, the three that we've covered, and also Safe Haven, I don't think have any black... Like, there's black people here in, in the army, but, like, they're about white people in middle to southern America, like, yes. love stories about, like, loving soldiers. Like, this is... 
somehow inspired by Nicholas Sparks' son. I don't. I didn't do any research. Like, I don't know if he has autism. I don't know what. But like, I think may. I think based on the IMDb trivia that I read, it seemed to maybe suggest that. And also, like, when or where or how he met his wife. So this is a very. It seems like a very personal story to Nicholas Sparks. And I don't think that the characters are overtly racist. No, um, they just. They they say the quiet part loud, probably behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> Look, whether, whether they do or don't, like, I don't want to come on here and like, oh, I only like media by one group of people or another group of people. And I don't, I don't hate this movie. I guess my only comment is, for better or worse, and that's your own opinion at home, I don't see a lot of movies like this today where it's just like rich white love, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like what's interesting is like Channing is still making movies like this. Like he made Dog, but it's not him and a white woman. It's him and a dog, right? Like it's still like he's a soldier coming that- home from war with a mission to do, basically. I'm so glad you brought this up. Why is Channing so typecast as a soldier? I think because he's stereotypically like meatheaded. Yeah. Like he's just like, oh, he's a he's he's a good looking American boy, okay. blah, blah, blah. Uh, that it's he light probably, eyes, brown hair, yes, clean cut, white built skin. muscly, white. Which, by the way, which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to make that clear. I don't want people to say, I don't want your people, Joey, to say that I'm virtual signaling right here. You know, like that's my not people. <laughs> what do you mean, my people? <laughs> no, no, no. But in all seriousness, like I'm, I'm not against seeing rich white people in, in, in movies. Like that's not, I, I will watch these movies till the cows come home. My only point is that they don't make them as much as they like used to. Like they used to. Not I like they, they used to. I think they do. <laughs> they're just like on GAC. Like, do you know about like Great American Channel? Like the Great yes, American Family? Fair. Like, like, they're Hallmark they're... movies. It's just Hallmark. Yes, now. yes. But, but, but Joe, you are the, you know, authority on this. Lifetime when you first started watching and Lifetime today, way more diverse. No. Way more, way, Lifetime, yes. Hallmark, no. No, really? And, like, Gak, Gak is even firmly more, like, these are Christian values. Like, and this is the Gak channel is like, that, that you said you subscribed to? Or what was it before the episode you were saying? <laughs> like, about? I funded. Oh, you funded, it's like, that's It's like right. the Candace Cameron Bure, like, it's these movies where, PBS. like, there are very specific, like, these are, like, I think it was, it was almost directly either made or rebranded in the wake of Lifetime and Hallmark and stuff like these channels like becoming more progressive like very slowly but Gak was like we respect traditional family values and we're going to make these kind of movies and like they are wildly profitable because there's still a lot of people who want to see those movies and to be fair what was that movie on Netflix recently about like a soldier that everyone was talking about that's like Oh, God. It was, like, one of the most watched films on Netflix, and it, it reminded me of this one. Let's see, Netflix soldier movie. Not not all quite on the Western front. No, no. Uh, soldier movie. I think it's Purple Hearts, no? Is that a movie? Oh, Purple Hearts 2022, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. It's another ha- handsome dude, handsome woman. An aspiring musician agrees to a marriage of convenience with a soon-to-deploy Marine, but a tragedy soon, soon turns their fake relationship all too real. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, someone who is in uh, The Offer, which we cover in Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, who played Al Pacino, is in that film. And that's where I first, Anthony Polito's his name, that's where I first saw it. Um, saw, like, you know, I didn't watch Purple Hearts, but if there's an audience for something, God damn it, make it. Like, I, I, I don't mind that, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of videos on YouTube that there's an audience for that I 
think people probably shouldn't make. Very good point. I'm not Kyrie Irving it here. I am not. That, that's what, exa- <laughs> I was definitely thinking flat Earth, but so Kyrie was the appropriate person to go to. But go ahead. Flat Earth is now the like delicate the opinion. Yeah. That we have I now, know. Right? So. I know. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back on topic. For well, a okay, can I? I don't. I don't want people canceling me. To be clear, no one's not, gonna cancel you, Brian. Not everything like that, but I'm saying. I, I find a lot of these to be somewhat harmless. If you're not into it, you're not into it. If you're into it, you're into it. Um, obviously, if they're outwardly racist, outwardly anti-Semitic, or outwardly whatever, I don't know. Like, Don't rely on me to be the judgment person here. Cancel someone else, please. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, don't definitely don't leave his podcast negative reviews on Apple Podcasts saying that he should, be, he should go get more woke. Well, listen, if you're going to... Like if a hundred thousand people, let it be five star. No, it could right. be one star if a hundred thousand people listen. You know what I mean? Sure. If a hundred thousand people want to give me one star, getting canceled is good for ratings. That's a good point. Sometimes maybe it can uh, be. maybe I should try to get canceled. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh God. So, Dear John was directed by this guy, Lassa Holstrom, who did What's Eating Gilbert Grape. He did Chocolat, which I think you did. Joe, were you on? Foodie Films for Chocolat? Yes, I think I was on Foodie Films for Chocolat. <laughs> he did Cider House Rules, which is a movie that Mike and I do not like, that I have to watch again at some point for 1999 the podcast. He also did those dog movies, like speaking of dog, but he did like a Dog's Promise and stuff like that, like those like overtly kind of seemingly Christian dog movies that have come out in the last handful of years. <laughs> how's, the dog, okay. how's the dog Christian? I don't know, I just feel like it's a Christian dog. I know that all dogs go to heaven, so you decide. It was written by Jamie <laughs> Linden, who wrote We Are Marshall. He also wrote Money Monster, that George Clooney movie. And he it was shot by Terry Stacy, who of note to Too Fast shot Den of Thieves. So the same guy who wrote who shot Den of Thieves also shot this movie. So from action to whatever this is. Yeah, that that tracks for sure. I can see it. Do either of you know the mo genuinely the most important thing about this film's theatrical run? I it don't was- only in theaters for one weekend, and it came out on Valentine's Day, is my guess. So it was released on February 5th, 2010. So it was a Valentine's Day movie. I was right. Okay, cool. Budget of $25 million made $114 million worldwide, like Jesus wildly Christ. successful. Of course, yeah. This movie was notable, though, because it was the movie that finally dethroned Avatar after seven weeks at number one. Dear cool. John. Dear Got John, it. in Avatar's eighth week in the box office... I guess it was number two, maybe? Let me actually see that. But as Avatar 2, The Way of Water comes out, I wanted to pay respects. I actually had no idea that until, you know. When does the Avatar podcast come out? Oh, never? Did I let the cat out of the bag there? Oops. So this weekend, Avatar, so this made $30 million. Avatar made $22 million. That weekend. From Paris with Love made $8 million. Okay. From, yeah. from Paris with Love? Is, who is, oh, it's a Travolta movie, Jonathan Reese myers Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, like, that, that's notable that this movie dethroned Avatar. The, that's like, very notable. At that's its a time, good... the highest box office movie of all time. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a really crazy stat to have that you put out this movie and it's like, nope, Avatar, we're done with it. A more podcast appropriate crazy stat is that Amanda Seyfried shares her birthday with Jenna Dewan. Oh, that's it. like exact same year and everything. I don't know. I think Amanda Seyfried's younger. Amanda Seyfried, born December 3rd. Oh, almost happy birthday, 1985. Jenna Dewan, December 3rd, 1980. Yeah, so she's five years older. Okay. But that yeah, makes sense. still December 3rd, still a Sagittarius. Shout out to both of them. Uh, Channing learned how to surf for this movie, which I feel feels 
needless because like he's barely surfing in this movie. It's 13 seconds at the beginning, yeah. There are a bunch of differences from the book. If anybody cares about that, you can look at them online. And I don't know what the original ending was, but the audiences hated it, so they reshot it for the end. Um, where <laughs> it's kind of like a non-ending. That, that is very, very common in Nicholas Sparks' uh, stuff because the notebook has two different endings. I believe the notebook on Netflix had the original ending for like a while. Oh yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this once. Right. And people were like, it was blowing their minds. And then there's famously, God, never mind. I'm not going to spoil it because this is a big spoiler ending and you might have people here who want to watch this movie. No, spoil it. We'll just, so you're spoiling the notebook. No, I'm going to spoil the notebook there. It's not a Nicholas Sparks book, but I, I, I thought of, Another romantic film from 2010 that was made into a film. And you're going to spoil that. What, yes. are you spo- what are you spoiling here? So they're, they were both 9-11 related. And have you seen Remember Me? Have no. I seen no, I've never seen it. It has Robert Pattinson, 2010. Remember Me and Dear John get confused a lot because they both have 9-11 tie-ins, which is insane oh. to say. Remember me is Robert Pattinson, Emily DeRaven from Lost, Pierce Brosnan. All right. So if you haven't okay. seen it, I, 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 you know what? I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. I do I'm not want to pick it. Don't, don't. No, seriously, do not read anything about this film. Can you promise me that? Is it good? It is. We're we. If I ever get back to my Twilight podcasting, we're going to cover it. But I, I want you guys to watch this. We movie. did talk about this on Twilight. Damn it! And Kate Hudson. We, Yes, Kate you remember it. it too. You remember yeah. it, Dose. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember now talking about it. Joey, please watch this movie because it's like it has one of the most insane epic endings that people that's were talking right. about at the time. And that's all I'm going to say, right? So I'm not going to spoil it here. But if you're listening out there and you know this movie, remember me, you're going to be like, oh, fuck. That's all. If Twilight Forever comes back, I will do this with you and Kate. Nice, nice. No, yeah. Uh, now, now I'm going to bring it back just for that because I really want, I really want someone who's never seen its reaction to it. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, is the 9/11 part of it? Is that the spoiler? I, I, I cannot say. I cannot say. Just watch the movie. I'm saying these came out at the same time and they have a similar vibe to them. I feel like I've heard of the 9/11 <laughs> connection. Now I don't know. The fact that this is a 9/11 movie blew my mind. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Two-hour episode today. I'm excited. No, it's not going to be a two-hour episode. It might be, you know, because there, there's the bonus. Who knows? We get, we're just yeah, it's loosey-goosey here. Uh, but, so, Joe, do you remember, because it's been two and a half years now, three and a half okay. years now, do you remember the four things that we track for these movies? It's like shirtless fighting, dancing, and... It's the other big one. Not crying, is it? I think it's, I think it's crying. I think it's crying. Okay. So it was probably like the same as Zeph then. Well, we did shirtless and crying for Zeph, but then we did here dancing and fighting. Yeah. So we add to Zeph. He does fight here, and he's shirtless he fights, from the rip. He cries, he's shirtless, and he doesn't dance as far as I know. Does he ever slow dance with Savannah with Amanda Seyfried or no? I don't think so. I don't recall that happening. But he, like, he basically starts, like you said, Jeff, from the rip, off the rip, shirtless on the beach surfing. I'm like, oh, okay. One of four. Check. Yeah, and then he beats those dudes up like pretty much immediately. He does. He elbows the dad, Tim, not the dad, not his dad, but the dad of the kid, Tim. He gets shirtless again to have sex with Savannah later. Spoilers. He cries as he reads his dad the letter. He's shirtless again in the water when his dad dies. 
Um, but no, he doesn't dance. But he's the three or four is pretty solid. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good Channing movie. Uh, the 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 something about the masculinity though in these films that maybe it's because I am not that masculine, but it makes me uncomfortable. Like they like you fight instead of resolving your differences, but it's okay because you're good looking. You know, like if an ugly yeah. guy fights in these movies, he's the bad guy. But and he's like, gonna lose. Yeah. yeah. But hot guys can fight because they're defending honor. And women. Well, that's that's the honor that we all defend, Joe. <laughs> Joe, what did you think of Dear John overall? I'm with you. I was going to use a different word to describe it, but I do find them very comforting in the sense that, like, the movie starts and Rachel goes, what do you think this movie is about? And I'm like, he's going to have to go back to war. She's going to write him letters and like, they're going to fall in love, blah, blah, blah. But it's going to be complicated. And she's like, just starts laughing. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. just by the title and like the first three minutes of the movie, you're like, Oh, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Just like the notebook. Just like, what was the Zeph one? The lucky ones. The right? lucky one. Yeah. Where it's just like, Oh, he's a handsome guy who like, you know, a woman has her guard up because she can't like let her let him into her family and then like he softens her and then you know whatever yeah so i find these movies interesting because they play they're they're meant for women right yes i would say stereotypically yes for sure stereotypically these movies are directed for women that want like a romance kind of novel or a movie but a lot of the times the like we were saying in the preamble on the patron feed that like the women in these movies are essentially shitbags. Like, not be like, just like the actions that they do and choose to do aren't conducive to like a healthy relationship. But the guy is always the one trying to like fix them or like be tolerant of it somehow. So it's just like very interesting that these are like, like, why do they paint the women in such a bad light? Like, she doesn't need to be they... a person. Because it's Nicholas written Sparks. by a why dude. Does it, that's why. That's right. <laughs> True. Okay, fair. <laughs> but, like, don't you think that, like, if you were trying to, like, be profit... Like, I can imagine Nicholas Sparks is doing this to make as much profit as possible. Not necessarily because he loves writing romance novels. I don't think he's writing a book to be profitable. I think he has a story and he has a built-in audience and people are going to consume fair. it no matter what. Okay. But, like, you want <laughs> this to be profitable. So, like, don't you think you'd want to kind of, like, give the audience something that, like they would want not like something that's kind of derogatory towards the demographic that you're well, trying what I think to is pitch fascinating to? about this is that at the end jumping ahead to the end when okay. amanda cypherd like you know we find out that she married the guy from before and like she's like you know she's looking for closure and he like he refuses to give her anything he just walks out and she's like whoa like that is like eventually you know they they make amends and whatever and like he does he goes he bends over backwards to help her out as he can but like that's kind of like a brutal scene where he's just like no like this is supposed to be your happy ending I'm like fuck you like you don't me via letter which i think is kind of a badass thing i think that's a healthier way to do it than what i imagine his reaction would be like based on the character alone like i thought he was gonna like he didn't even punch through a wall so i was like okay you're making strides here just like walking away that's probably the best that we could do he's not toxic right like she's the bad one he's he's stereotypically like bottled up and like won't really talk about things but like He's generally a good dude. To be yeah. fair to Nicholas Sparks, I think again, let me speak for women here because he does it. No, I'm joking. But no, but okay. um, <laughs> in a in a sense though, I think the goal is to create not the perfect woman because the people who read the book are not perfect obviously because 
we as human beings are not perfect. The goal is to create the perfect guy, the dark and mysterious guy. He's got secrets. I want to know more about them. That kind of guy, right? Like he's got, he he's a softy at heart, but he's still a tough guy. Like like the the, the men are idealized because that's what theoretically he thinks and. You know, his sales prove it, that his audience is looking for, right? So, yeah. like, a woman can be flawed because... If you're the target demo reading it, you're nobody's perfect. Exactly, exactly. So you can see yourself more in a flawed character in the eye candy, the juice, the catch is the one that needs to be kind of polished. And to quote one of Brian's favorite movies, the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> Which, though, like, if, if we want to say that Nicholas Sparks is progressive in a sense um how many movies have flawed male characters with like hot perfect women characters that get together right like pretty much all of them yeah yeah so this is like a switch of that in a sense and um i'm not saying two wrongs make a right but but yeah i mean i think that's that's the answer to your question so there is a thing in this movie, I was trying to figure out where the, like, Nicholas Sparks sadness would come from, and I was texting Rachel about this, and she did not let me know that I was wrong, but I was explaining to her, do either of you know, Brian, you might know from either just knowing or from podcasts, I don't know, Joe, if you know it or not, but do, do either of you know the book Save the Cat, the screenwriting book? No, you've talked about this before. Yes, yes, familiar with it, yeah. yes. So it's basically a very rigid, like, I think it used to be loved, I don't know if it's still loved, but it's a, sort of a very rigid, militant way of writing a screenplay that, like, will hit a hundred-page story, which is basically a hundred-minute movie, and, like, it says, like, how to, like, keep things going, where you're supposed to hit it, and, like, the break into two, which is the start of the second act, comes 25 minutes in, and literally 25 minutes into this movie, Channing and Amanda Seyfried, what's Channing's character's name in this movie? I have John. no idea. Oh, John. Jesus Christ. Holy shit. Are I you serious? Are you serious? Oh my Dear God. John. There's also IMDb trivia that Dear John is a type of letter where people send to military people. It's like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I didn't remember his name was John. But John and Savannah are on the beach, and they're kind of like falling in love. And she says, I'm dying, John. And I was like, oh, so this is like a cancer movie where she's going to die while he's over at war or whatever. Oh, but that okay. never comes back. But I was like, this is this is the second act. Here we go. Like, their, their relationship's going to get complicated because she's harboring the secret. Nope. Nicholas Sparks was definitely playing with his audience when he, like, put that in the book, the I'm dying thing, you know, because they, exactly what you're thinking, Joey. I, I, what, do you know where this is in his book trajectory? Like, is this one of his later books? So this is the fifth one okay. of his books that was adapted. Okay, okay, gotcha. So that makes sense, right? Like, people would assume, Walk to Remember, spoiler alert, like it's about yeah. someone dying, right? But nice little, uh, you know, little trick there, Nicholas, good job. Because, like, the the twist here is that his dad has autism. Like, his dad has Asperger's, which Amanda Seyfried just, like, yeah. there's a line where she's, like, I realized after spending time with your dad, I want to teach about education. And they, like, talk for a little bit. And then, like, three or four sentences later, Channing's, like, wait, but, like, why am I dad? Like, what are you talking about? She's, like, oh, like, you know. And he's just, like, don't say shit about my dad. Yes. Okay, like it, like I, I don't know that she was trying to be cruel, but it comes across as cruel because he's kind of blockheaded and doesn't really know. Like Channing, I mean, is blockheaded, but I was like, that's such a weird way to like get that across because like the whole thing is, you know, Channing is very protective of his dad because his dad's very sort of particular and not really open to people, and then Amanda Seyfried comes over and like wins him over immediately by like taking an interest in what he's passionate about. Yeah, this this threw me for a loop. Rachel Rachel felt this was very rude too, and I think that the delivery is bad. But I think that's just like script writing, because like I think 
Amanda Seyfried thinks that Channing knows this already. So in that sense, that they were just kind of like tiptoeing around it, it kind of seems like, oh, like I was so inspired by hanging out with your dad that like I want to do this thing now. I mean, granted, the rest of her character doesn't show this. I think that that's how that was supposed to come off. Like, yeah, and but... then he he freaks out because he doesn't want to come to grips with it, even though he does know it's real. I get that, but even if that was the case, right? Like, you're still kind of a bad person if that person... It's tone deaf. Yeah, that that person needs to disclose that to you, right? Like, that might be the case, that might not be the case. And and let's say it is the case. It's it's also, she doesn't think that it's possible that he's never thought about that, right? So you might be also breaking news to him. That's something where you're like, did you ever think that your dad might have something you know what i mean like that's a better way to do it were you ever curious about his interesting coins yeah i think you would also think that like you might be like hey so just so you know like my dad has asperger's like he might be weird around you like i think that normal people and again normal is a very whoa but like not i'm not saying about the dad but i'm saying like like, normal people like like, enchanting situation would introduce like with more detail he's just like yeah my dad's kind of like weird or like he says in a way that like is dismissive like he doesn't he doesn't know a diagnosis. And so I feel like the way that she just responds with like a very specific read that is probably right. Um, she'll be done once. Yes. Well, just say then like, Hey, do you like, uh, by the way, is, is your dad been diagnosed with anything or like, is he okay? Like, you know, there are ways to ask down to us. Like, I really like hanging out with your dad because he has Asperger's. It's like, yeah. What? <laughs> you know? See, That's- this is what I'm saying. It's delivery is wrong. Let me let me just put it this way as well, and I'm saying this because like 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 my brother's gay, so I'll just go ahead and say that, right? If someone were to say to me, "Oh my god, it's so cool that you have a gay brother," I'd be and like I haven't said that or disclosed that or whatever, like I would be You'd a little be bit freaked out. Like, yeah. wait, what? Like you know, even if they met him, like right? Like if someone says that, that's a little weird. If I open that conversation up theoretically, I mean, it's still kind of a weird thing to say, but like if I open that conversation up theoretically. Then it's like, okay, but like, maybe, I know I'm like going into the analogy a lot. If he said it as well, that's fine. But if like, someone saw my brother and just assumed by his personality that he was gay and then was like, (laughs) oh, it's so cool you have a gay brother. I'd be like, what? What? (laughs) So like, you just don't do that. You just don't do, what's her name, by the way? Sorry. Savannah. Savannah. It's John. It's Deer. How could I forget Deer? How could I forget her her name? Savannah. She's from Charleston. Oh, cool. My name's Atlanta. <laughs> sorry, sorry. There's a neighbor. Like, I also didn't understand really the full dynamics, but there's a neighbor who's like, I guess, going through a divorce with his wife, right? Who has an autistic son who comes yeah, down. I, she's either, yeah, she has to be divorced because he keeps saying, like, oh, she's like on vacation, on vacation, not like dead. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, she so left. Like, it's very clear. She left him. She left him and yeah. the kid and is just like dicked off. Because, yeah, because Shannon is saying to him, like, as someone, as a kid who went through that, I know it's better to rip off the Band-Aid early. But that that's also like, dude, like he's autistic. Like I don't, I, I need, like you don't know the situation, whatever. Anyway. Well, like, but, but I have to bring this up. Talk about painting more bad women in this, right? Two moms left their special needs. One, families, one case, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. special needs families in this. And it's just like, yes, you know, we're survivors, yes. right? It's like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, I, yeah. The the whole like, oh yeah, just she's on vacation and like she won't be here, and him having, yeah, you're right. 
wild. But so, like, I didn't understand the Tim thing because, like, Tim, like, they've been friends forever. Tim's son loves Savannah because that's who her neighbor. Love Savannah? Yes, that's her neighbor for sure. And he seems like he's much older than her. Well, they, I, I don't think so because I think they said, like, they've known, maybe, but, like, they've known each other forever. Like, I got, I got the sense that they grew up together. He got married, moved away, or whatever, and now he's back. But it's clear that, like, Everyone in this town, like the three dudes that we see, Channing and Tim and the other guy, all love Savannah. Everybody. And Channing is this like sort of mysterious outsider just there for a couple of weeks, wins her over for any number of reasons, and everyone else either openly or secretly kind of hates him for it. Yes. I, I guess just because he's the mysterious outsider, but like they kind of, you know, in, the, in a romance story, fall head over heels in love very quickly and um, just start writing letters to each other. And then... Because he has to go back to service. He he was just, like, on leave for two weeks, and then he goes back to Army. Did they ever establish before they firmly established when this takes place, but did they, did they establish that this was, like, in the year 2000 before, or no? no. Uh, you could kind of timeline it, because uh, he says he's born in 1980. And, I mean, I guess you don't really know his age, but no, they didn't. Throughout the movie, you'll hear people talking about, like, the news in the background, just so, like... You're in the theater. You're like, oh, that's Bernie Madoff they're talking about. You know, like, I'm sure if I watched it again and I really took notes, like, you can kind of figure out what time we're in. But, yeah, I'm not sure it's, like, direct like that. Because this movie does span, like, more than a decade. But, like, I just sort of assume that every movie. Yeah. Like, there are, like, two, four, five-year time jumps. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, they they all look the same. Like, they never get older, so. Well, that's the thing. Yes, I know. That Which is the difficult. Because I what I was, like... I assume every movie, and I think this is normal, I assume every movie that I'm watching is set in modern day whenever it comes out, unless otherwise stated. So then all of a sudden, when, like, she comes out of school and everyone's just like, oh, my God, 9-11 just happened. I'm like, wait, hold on, what? Like, you can't just, like, spring that on people. Like, not that, like, it's, like, not that it really matters, because, like, it could have just been, like, he could have kept re-upping in the war, like, any number of wars, but it's just, like, that's a very specific tone you're invoking that I felt, like, blindsided by... Not even, like, in a bad way, just, like, why are you going here? Like, I don't understand. I think it just had to be timely at the time, right? Like, that's what it was. Well, the movie came out in 2010, so, like, you mean, like, when he wrote the book? The books, or what? yeah, the books, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean, yeah. It's a 2006 novel that was released in 2007, so... It's also, like, a good... It's a good way to invoke a different fan base other than just specifically women. Like, you can kind of niche it down there, too. By, like, being, like, soldier and 9-11, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're kind of directing who who's going to be hitting the heartstrings with this movie. Well, I mean, you're, you're, definitely, you're definitely targeting, like, all of the South, right? Yeah. For sure. And then again, this is, this is a period, too, where it's just, like, patriotism is pretty high. Um, you don't mess with soldiers in that decade in terms of, like, that was one thing. I mean... I am pro-soldier, FYI. Like, I don't want people thinking I'm not. But I feel like today, there's a lot of a questioning of the U.S. military within the United States. Sure. Right? Like, I, I think that's fair to say, right? So, in 2005, when he's theoretically writing this, as you said, I think there's still a lot less questioning. Sorry, when did we invade Iraq? 2003, I think. 2003, so you have the majority of Congress in 2003, both parties voting to go into Iraq, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. it's still, like, the U.S. military can do no wrong mode 
and especially again in the South in 2005. Now, I don't know. I don't know what the political temperature is. You don't see as much of this. I say that, yet one of, again, Netflix's biggest hits was that Purple Hearts movie. So there is still a segment of the population where that is the case. What Right or wrong, it's related to probably the segment that he's writing for in other parts anyway. Totally makes sense to me. I mean, there will always be like an audience for this. It just feels... Like I think it's like such a it's such a it's such a thing to invoke. It's just like this is the like this is what's happening, and like it almost makes like what Channing does. This is a uh, this is a weird way to say what I'm about to say, but it almost makes what Channing does feel less. Oh, what do I, it's not like less heroic, but like he's not staying at war to stay away from Amanda Seyfried. He feels compelled <laughs> because everyone else is re-upping, right? But it feels like yes. if it was yeah. just like any other time and he's just like, I can't, I have nothing to go home to. I think him staying there says more than just like he was at war in Germany, you know, on, on duty or whatever. When this happened, he felt compelled to go because like literally the rest of his battalion all went too. So like it, it almost takes the decision out of his hands. So like it, it informs less about the character because the event is so great in, in terms of scope. He also seems reluctant to me. Like he, does. he he doesn't want to re up. He wants to stay home and be with her. But it's just like, you know, the gravity of the situation is what pulls him away and all of, you know, the peer pressure of everybody else like trying to re enlist immediately and all of these things is like he's like, Oh, I guess I gotta do this. Well, I actually think that's, you know, one of the more um the, the better parts about this film or book or whatever the script is that like, t- maybe not in the film, but uh, to me it was kind of clear that um, his motivation for joining the military, yes, it was patriotism, of course, all that jazz, but it was also an escape from his father, right? Like an escape from that responsibility and confronting the reality of the, of the life he was living with him. So he goes overseas, he finds that camaraderie. Look, a lot of people join the military for those reasons, right? I think if you you polled, you know, uh, we went to our local barracks and we polled uh, the guys in there. Not all of them will be like, yeah, patriotism, patriotism, patriotism. A lot of them, you know, deep down inside might be escaping something. A lot of them want to see the world, right? A lot of them want their college paid for. That doesn't make you less of a soldier or less patriotic in my book. You're still sacrificing uh, yourself for a cause, right? So... He he finally finds something in her that's worth staying for. That's the the first time in his life he goes like, "Oh fuck, you know, if I die out here, I'm never gonna be with this person again." So I don't like again question his valor because of that. I just think it's like it makes his sacrifice even more poetic. And yes, later when he reups, maybe, but I think there was a good chance that he would have become a career uh, military guy. Uh, it's just that, like, you get leave, you know what I mean? You get to come back occasionally. So it's not, the re- the thing was, that like, once he had leave, she was already with somebody. So it, it just, yeah. you know, it wasn't going to work out time frame wise, which is a, a big theme in the Nicholas Sparks world, the Sparksiverse. That, like, that, that they're meant for each other, but just the timing of things don't work out. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Think of every Nicholas Sparks thing that you, movie you've seen, right? Like, every single one. Yeah. Every single one, it's like, yeah, fate, they're meant to be, but the world is getting in their way one way or another. 
it's also amazing to me to like in the timing of it and just like how terrible she is kind of as a person like she lives still in the town like she did not move away Channing's dad is still there clearly like they're not going to hang out because like she and Channing are done they break up by this point but like Channing's dad has a stroke and the movie tells him that you're not the bad guy even if you were home it would not have helped him so like he's still okay in our book and then Channing's dad dies and so he goes over to Savannah's house and she like the first thing she says is how's your dad and it's just like, girl, you didn't know? Like, there's this is probably a town of, like, 800 yeah. people. Like, you would know that somebody died, especially someone who, like, you seem to, like, really connect with. And then she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But just, like, that's the first thing you ask is, how is your dad? And, like, he's only home because his dad just died. It's like, this is, wow. And then that's when he, like, Shannon finds out that she married Tim. She gets changed in front of him and, like, is topless in front of him. And, yeah. like... It's just like what is like it's a weird like I get the whole like missed connection, but it feels like this is not the woman for him. And I'm glad that they probably don't end up together. I think they definitely do. Um I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the original ending was, but Joey, to your point, right? The this is what pissed me off the most about her. The fact that she gets with this guy that he knew. She couldn't mention it in the letter who he was, first of all. Hey, by the way, I met blah, blah, blah. Really? You'd want to note, like, th- this doesn't... This makes no difference. For No, it does for this reason. If she what? is actually going over to the house and helping the father out while he is away, she should not be doing that because she's getting railed by him when he comes home. You know what I mean? She should be doing that out of the goodness <laughs> of her heart. Like, she shouldn't stop doing that because now she's... I guess she had to take care of the little boy, and maybe that's her reason. So give, So give that reason, like... Not like she's involved herself with his family. She's not just breaking up with John. She's also kind of breaking up with the dad here. And someone's owed an explanation for that. He, I think he was at this point not counting on her, but like I guess appreciating the check ins she would do with his dad. And for that to just not exist, like to cease to exist for no reason, that is hurtful. The fact that she doesn't even know that he passes, like that's how much she cut off this innocent dude. Yes. That's yeah. heavy to me. I agree, and I told you, the dad was always the saddest part of this. Channing got sick of him. Like, she pretends to, like, want to be around, but you're right, just, like, kind of ghosts him, which would have to be, like, pretty shitty, because, like, you know, as, like, he seems like he doesn't have many people that give him Uh, any uh, kind of attention. Just any, yeah, any people, period. Just, like, there's nobody around. Like, when Channing's not there, I would imagine he spends every day at home making the same food every day the right day of the week right like he's just a home alone exactly. with his coins so not only like do you like ghost someone you go someone that's like definitely gonna notice and take this very hard yeah right mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's like the shittiest thing you could do and like that made me upset the, these all these all these auxiliary things around the dad around john's dad were like what really got me about the movie like i don't care about them and the, like the love story it was the like poor guy and his coins and like and then like Channing just coming home being like fuck his coins and just like selling all of them and shit. I was like, oh man, that would. Well, he does like I. I he keeps the one. I get. I mean, it. in in a flashback, they do establish that like, you know, you can give these to your son. He can give them to his son. Like whenever they need money or whatever. Like, I think it's it, it sets up that like these are going to be an even better investment down the road. And like he he honors his father in a way kind of also if you want to see glass half empty like picks savannah over his father by selling them all but he also like honors his dad like whatever you do like make sure they stay together whether you keep them whether you sell them like these need to like he still wants he still respects his dad's passion i think i think it's 
it's a tough decision in the movie, but I think it's I think it's handled as well as it can be. That's fair. I just still think it sucks. So it doesn't not suck. I yeah. do I do appreciate this movie though because it came. I I wrote down. Uh, my new favorite phrase, which is that Amanda Seyfried is a manic pixie coin girl. So instead of the <laughs> manic pixie dream girl that like just makes you like live life a little bit more, she just like she like does that, but exclusively with coins for Richard Jenkins. Just like, oh my god, tell me about this one. Tell me about this one. It's just like, okay, sure, yeah, okay. But about the end, so 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 Channing goes to sell his dad's coins. The mules have to stay together. He keeps the one mule as a lo- lucky like token at war. And then Savannah writes one more letter that is she reads over the closing credits, and they eventually hug at the end. But I, I know that Joe saw this because I tweeted about this, and I uh, and he liked the tweet. Yes. Um, but there's a line, Brian. Did you notice anything about this uh, unusual? I would say about this this final speech that Amanda Seyfried is go, uh, giving, which she's like, "This is the first letter I've written on hand with a pen in years." Blah blah blah. Like you know, uh, telling the story of my life, closing this movie out. Did you notice anything um, unusual about that? Uh, I guess not. No, tell me. I didn't until you posted it, and I still don't understand what happened, but go ahead. But you know, like, you heard what I heard, right? It's just, it just weird. Yeah, I couldn't make out what it's supposed to be. That she hasn't written on pen and paper in years? Is that what no, you're no, saying? No, no, no. She says no. the word anonymous, but she says anonymous. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's hilarious. But I thought maybe I could write you now and tell you all that's happened since I saw you last. A few weeks after you showed up here... Tim received an anonymous donation. That I couldn't even make out that she tried to mean anonymous. That's like it's it, and she like mumbles it and butchers it at the same time. And I was like, I don't know what she's trying to say here, but it's this isn't a word. There was another word that was pronounced strangely, and I didn't write it down. I wish I did, but that could, that wasn't the first time then that that happened. So she's explaining like what happened this last time jump, but. And I love Amanda Seyfried. I'm not talking shit on her. This is not her fault. Everybody says words. I cut we do it all the so time. many things out Here. of podcasts because yeah. I sound like an idiot. Like, that's the whole point of editing. Like, that's – you just do it – you do it again or whatever. And yet, for some reason, Lassa Hallstrom and the editors and whoever were just like, no, we're going to use this one where she says anonymous. I felt bad for her. It's just like that's such a weird thing to just leave in the movie, but it also made me laugh. Like that, this is a major movie that cost twenty five million dollars, and no one heard anonymous. But who's not going to see it because of this, though? Like you know, no, no, no. It's not about not seeing. It's about like respecting or like caring about like your your actor and your product. Like just putting out something good. Like they did edit this movie, so somebody listened to that and was like. Yeah, fuck it. Like, you know, Brian, like, you listen to a podcast on our network otherwise, and, like, you hear something that, like, oh, you didn't even, like, listen to it back before you, like, put it out because, like, you, you like, left in, like, hey, cut this out, but, or whatever, or, like, I'm going to say that again. It's just like, no, like, pay a, like pay attention to, like, the thing you're making and, like, respect yourself and your audience. Just, like, it was just, it was weird. To man. be fair, the director is Swedish. Maybe he didn't hear it as well as we hear it. You know, I don't know. English, that's fair. English yeah, that's might true. not be his first language but like i guess pretty sure there was another word um in this movie that i was like did they really say that eh, it doesn't matter it's just strange but anyway they hug at the end whether they're together again or just you know he's home they hug and it's a happy ending savannah here is she a musician we see her playing guitar because some oh, of oh amanda cypher did write the song she sings so that's an original that's an amanda cypher original oh weird okay it, it is a little weird yeah okay just want to ask that question and the next thing how do you feel about the party they threw 
at the plantation right after 9-11, like the day after. And they're like, oh, it seems like people need to be together. But it didn't seem like a solemn party to me. They were just kind of ignored 9-11 in my book. It, it was just a party. It was legit just a party. I also think it was weird, both in that party and otherwise, where, like, people are just, like, mocking the troops. Like, I think that even if you're, like, anti-war or whatever, like, especially now, like, since Vietnam, people at least respect people for, like, going to war. Just, like, I, I don't want to do that. I don't agree with, like, why we're over there, but, like, thank you for your service. And this dude yes. just, like, look at you, meathead, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, what? Where is this <laughs> yeah, that, from? That's a little aggressive, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with that. Because, like, to be clear, what I was saying before, I think there are a lot of people in this country who oppose – um, various U.S. military decisions, you know, on both sides yes. of the aisle, right? And depends on the war, depends on the president, let's be honest. But usually, yeah, there's usually a respect for this soldier themselves, especially when they're coming home and, and all that, right? Like, exactly. even if they felt that way at the party, they'd be like, you know, we respect what you're doing. Thank you for, for serving. Thank you for being there. Not like, or the one dude, like the, the kind of asshole guy um, who she next boyfriend that guy yeah she's like what are you gonna wear a beret like you're french or something like that <laughs> like you're in special forces like ha- okay it's one thing if you're in the military but how do you like rip on a dude who's in special forces <laughs> and you're just a civilian right exactly like, that's yeah the- it's like being like, oh, like that that sports player sucks, and you're like, well, yeah, he's still a professional athlete, and you're not. So it's like you play for the Jaguars; they're terrible. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bro, what team do you play? For? <laughs> yeah, there was there was you know in in the this one documentary that I sent Joe a John Boyce documentary about how the Phillies were down ten nothing to the Pirates in the first inning and wound up winning. Well, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's wonderful, but they talk they talk about that one guy who like is dreadful. Like he's like he's the type of player that like no longer exists because like he's like pretty good defense, but not really good at defense. He can't hit at all. He doesn't steal bases. Like there's no value that he brings. But yet in the history of sports, in the history of baseball, he's still in the like one hundredth percentile in terms of like talent. And he's yeah. absolutely dreadful that like fat guys in armchairs are just like, why is he out there? I could do better than that. It's like, this dude is better than, like, millions of other people who would kill to be in this position, and he just, like, objectively stinks at Major League Baseball. But, like, he's still better. It's just, it's it's wild. I don't know. But, I told you yeah. I told you about the guy that, I, I forget who he played for, but there was, like, an NBA player, like, a former NBA player that was, like, a bench player, like, would just come in, and some guy talked, like, mad shit on him on Twitter, and he was like, trust me, I'm way closer to LeBron than you are to me. Yeah. And he's like... Yeah. And he's like, whatever. And then he challenged him to a one-on-one game and just demolished this dude. <laughs> like, he, like, showed up to this dude, like, to play him one-on-one and crushed him and was like, see, told you. Like, we are so much better than you. You have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Joe, any other notes, any other thoughts about Dear John? Yeah, I had just a couple more stupid ones. Um, who didn't see it coming that she's a horse girl? Oh, Duh. definitely horse girl. Also, I think uh, Taylor Schilling in Lucky One. Orange and New Black Girl, yes. also a horse girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that feels normal. Um, I think building houses feels very familial, so if there was the most dom moment of the movie, it's Channing build, rebuilding someone else's house. For sure, house. for sure. I think that seeing no one at a funeral made me feel so sad. I mean, yeah, it, it hammers home that he has no people. Yeah, that, that really, 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 really sucks. And then um, I was just super proud of Rachel of how much she hated the girl from Mean Girls in this movie. 
and voiced it the entire film. I'm a big Amanda Seyfried fan, though. I, I, I love her in just not No, so. not her, the character. Sure, you know, the character sucks, but I love her as an yes. actress. So. Yeah, so. Cool. So, let me, let me consult the list. Uh, do you guys want to watch the trailer? We definitely can, yeah. Wait, is there any Channing Tatum news? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we're not caught up. It doesn't matter. Who cares? There's going to be more of these episodes or not. We're going to cover the news or not. Who cares? Dear John, official trailer HD, posted by Sony Pictures Entertainment 13 years ago, has 13 million views, a million a year. Let me know when you guys are ready and we can count it down. Before we get to the trailer really quickly, do you know what the alternate ending is? Because I couldn't find it. No. Oh, I would assume that they don't meet up again. That maybe she's like, me and Tim are really happy now. Or he dies in war. Or maybe she dies or something. Would you say this is a breakup movie? A movie you watch to break up or a movie about a breakup? Yeah, is it about a breakup? Not a movie you watch to break up? Like, I don't know. There's some movies that I would definitely put on if I was trying to break up. Be like, see, this is the kind of shit that I have to deal with here. I mean, the movie is literally <laughs> called Dear John. Like, it's like, it's the thing that people say when you want to break up with a thing, right? Like, it's just... Good point. Yes. Okay. Let's watch the trailer. I'm ready when you guys are. All right. Three, two, one, play. I feel like, Joe, with the last handful of movies we've had, we have not had this MPAA green title card. Like, I feel like that's a very common standard that we just haven't had in a while for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Is there a Red Band trailer? No, because there's no Red Band content in this movie. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, he jumped off the dock to get her purse. I forgot about that. That's how you start. The end the douche guy was just like, oh, I was going to do it. Two weeks together. That's all it took I think at the time, like, since this is one of the later Nicholas Sparks films in that, like, range, even though it did well, I think at the time when this trailer ran, there were some guys in the theater like, oh. Because he had a uh, yes. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it's, ugh, like, I can't believe another one of these movies that I'm going to have to go see with my girlfriend and I'm not going to measure up to Channing Tatum in the movie and, like, I'm just going to get, I'm going to hear it, but I'm not a good enough boyfriend and my dad loves coins, too. BT Dubs, yeah. BT Dubs, what a moment for Richard Jenkins, right, playing the old white guy in, like, nine million movies in a row in this era. Yeah, he did, he was the dad in every <laughs> single movie. You're right. Comedies drama it didn't matter he was the dad yeah exactly what a moment for jenkins there this is also like right around the same time that he filmed cabin in the woods that they shelved for like two or three years then thor came out they're like oh we have this movie where chris hemsworth's in it they're like oh let's put that out now college movie not a high school movie yeah if you ever graduate to college i got a long list of movies that i want to cover how about Coincast? Should I do that? Like coin-related movies. <laughs> you know the USPS has an official podcast. Like they show her topless in the not, not naked, but like they show her like seductively in the trailer. Huh. I didn't know the USPS had an official podcast. I think that this like as much as this movie is about their relationship, this trailer makes it really look like they're about their relationship, and it's not. I don't no, think it's as correct. Okay, good. But that's what they need to sell. That's what they need to sell. That trailer is really the greatest hit. It's like, it's sex, it's war, it's crying, it's rain. Like, it's all these things. Moons. Moons. And it makes it very clear it's a Nicholas Sparks film. And that's like, that could get people in the theaters at that time. You knew what you were getting into. All right. So now the Google game. Brian, do you know the Google game by name? The Google game by name? Tell me. So this is where I go on Google.com, everyone's favorite search engine. Oh, search com. Channing okay. Tatum, Dear John, and you guys try to guess the autocompletes. Oh, Soldier. Yes, this one. 
No, but there's one in the ballpark-ish of that. Army. Mm-mm, no. Camo. Ending. Closer. Ending. Ending is not one. Your Ending is always a good with, guess, though, Brian. Good job. Your closest with camo so far. Of the guesses, camo is the closest to one of them. Uh, dog tags. Broader. I said so helmet. Well, letter has to be one of them, right? Letter. Because like, it's unrelated to the movie, no? No, no, what? no. There are four of them. There's also one Carrito John. I don't. I don't know. I, oh, I guess Carrito John is is Spanish title. I guess Carrito. Um, but there are there are three or four that you could ostensibly get that aren't just like movies, actress. Film. Nope, nothing about Amanda Seyfried. Okay. Um, Tatum. What else? What does he have, Brian? Brian, it's always like good, uh, good distinguishers. You were very like... close with cow and dog tags, but think broader than that. Fatigues. Like that's broader, too specific broader, of a word. Broader. Um, uniform. Uniform number okay. two. Perfect. What? There we go. One down. Are People want to see Brian? him in uniform, baby. Uh, okay. I don't know. Uh, now there's the the first one. I don't know if this is like an actual autocomplete or not. It's just it's pictures. So sure, like just pictures of him, I guess, in the it's movie. For Tumblr, yeah. But there are two more um, that are sort of both kind of specific to this movie, but could also be about any movie. But there are actually two things that we've addressed already in this episode. Not that because like, we talked about a lot of stuff, but like two things people are searching for that could apply to literally any movie, but also specifically apply to like Channing Tatum and like what girls are interested in. And there's nothing about his body Trailer. or clothing or no penis. Nothing Trailer. about his body. No, no, it's not. Well, it's not about part no. of the body. I also skipped trailer. Like, trailer's a boring one. Yeah. But there's one thing he does, and then one thing about him, but both about these movies, about about this movie. Dear John Connor. John. No, nothing to do with Terminator. <laughs> I don't know. One thing he does that we also track each episode. Um, crying. Surfing. Crying. crying. Channing okay. Tatum crying, Dear John. People want to see if he's crying. And then the other one we talked about sort of vaguely about Channing Tatum Joe, this is one that we always had for Zeph. Every single movie, Workout. especially the early ones. Workout. No, earlier uh, than that. Age, before that. Age. How old was Channing Tatum and Dear John? Oh, oh my God, Brian, we were on this woman. run. Am I allowed to be attracted to this boy? <laughs> and the answer is he's 30, so he's fine. Yay, fine. Yeah. There's a run where, like, Zeph is, like, is, like, a teenager still, and, like, one of the main autocompletes is is Zef age and we're like all right are people just figuring out if they're allowed to be attracted to 100 percent, but that's good that i'm like that i like that in society right like that means we've progressed yeah it's it's better than like the olsen twins like 18th birthday countdown right like the, the dude equivalent yeah yeah or like I, bro you know as soon as they turn 18 they're going topless it's like what has what have they <laughs> ever done that indicated they would ever do anything like that pizza i um I remember kids in college who had Hannah Montana posters waiting for that moment uh, for Miley Cyrus. And she actually did go topples after that. So Our uh, school was Emma Watson. They were all waiting for Emma, Emma Watson. Jeez. I mean, that's – I mean, I – yeah, that's interesting. It's in, it's in the same vein, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. I just – it's that. just yeah. like that is that is the creep objectively one of the creepiest things about society oh, yeah. like this this 13 year old in this movie that i grew up on like i think there's a little bit different like if you're 13 when they're 13 no okay yeah that's whatever different, yeah but sure. if you're like a 20 year old dude or whatever somebody above 18 who's just like oh this girl in this thing is so hot like i'm gonna count down until she's 18 oh yeah like, that is 
the Gross. creepiest thing ever. I know. Shout out to Dane Cook. Anyway. <laughs> um, question for you guys. There, yeah, we still got more games to play. But go, three, this play. is a game I'm playing. There's three guys on this pod, right? Like, you have three hunks that, that you've talked about. <laughs> so, like, who's the Channing Tatum? Who's the Ryan Gosling? And who's the Zac Efron of the three of us? Oh, mm. that's so hard. That's a good N- question. Nicole said you guys wish. That's mean. Of course we know. No, of course we wish. She's not <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> still, still, still a game. Um, hmm. Well, Joe, who are you? Who do you I think Joe like? is Gosling. You think Joe is Gosling? Okay. I, think so, I think so, too. I didn't want to say it, but I think that I'm Gosling. <laughs> I'm most Gosling, I think. I think, Brian, you're Zeph, and I think I'm Channing. So I I'm, think so, I'm too. Zach That's how I would lay it out. Okay. I think, yeah, I think Brian's more charismatic, and Joey's just the the good-looking one that is not what what's nicole saying i don't know i didn't hear what'd you say nicole no i'm zach efron real dad bod <laughs> she said he's ripped again now though dude like he's you know oh, yeah. shredded for that he's wrestling movie. yeah i can't wait so because no, i think i think joe is like the of the three of us the most at times, most reserved, most sort of like cool, calm demeanor. I think Brian, I'm just picturing these sort of like, even though I have the barbecues, I feel like he is closer to Teddy in Neighbors than I am. And I think I'm the sort of self-conscious, like, oh, I, I you know, whatever, just kind of the embarrassed, not exactly uh, thrilled with the way things are going, Channing character in most movies. That's Slash, how I saw it. Slash stripper. Oh, tomorrow as we record this, Magic Mike 3 trailer comes out. Which I might actually watch that trailer because holy shit! Are you guys best. gonna do a something with the Mikester, Mike Manzi uh, for the third film? Or we are so many episodes away from the first Magic Mike. So Magic, this is episode fifteen. The first Magic Mike is twenty three, and XXL is thirty four. Like we're so far away. You should just do the the. It's called Magic Mike. I was gonna say, just do the yeah. Magic Mike films. You're gonna get people to listen to the rest of the episodes. Well, so okay, because so that movie comes out. I was going to say this in the Too Fast intro that we did that we plugged on the Patreon, but I was so personally bummed when – because aside from my, like, manic OCD where I'm just like, I want to complete everything I start, other than these next, like, three movies, which I've not seen, I think I've seen every Channing Tatum movie from here on out, and they're almost all awesome or fun or whatever. And, like, we're just, like, stuck in these dredges of, like, movies explicitly not for us. Like, these are not movies that are really necessarily fun to watch or fun. Like, this one's good, whatever, it's fine, whatever. But, like, there's a lot of these movies here where just, like, oh, these are not dude movies. But, like, we're so close to, like, Jump Street and Magic Mike and Side Effects and This is the End and White House Down and Lego Movie and, like, all these movies that, like, we did the podcast for and we were so close to, like getting through this early sort of the work of magic yeah. Mike's. we oh, should yeah. we should do a uh both jump street crossover for our high school slumber party well the second one have you covered school? those yet or no the second one college or high school too i haven't covered any of them no i think we could we could do it both are high school I mean, right brian, so so brian this is an unofficial i think the second one is college well we can do the first one at least 22 jump street sequel yes the second one is at college damn i love that one so we could. So this is this is an uh, you know I've not talked to Joe about this and I, I don't want to ruffle his feathers here. But Brian, if you want to come back for every Magic Mike's, you can. If you want to be the third co-host, or if not, you don't have to. But you know, I don't know if we're going to do this monthly. Probably not. Yearly. If we're going to do this once a year. Probably more often than that. Who knows? I don't know. But like, we got so many fun movies to do. 
that even with like the 12, literally 12 people listening, if that, I'm very curious to see the download numbers, you know, we got good stuff coming up. So just keep it in your mind, crossover or not. Uh, look, just invite me on anything because I need to promote my passion projects. So the letterbox game. So for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on letterbox has been seen by 1.22 million people. Dear John, 2010, directed by Lassa Holstrom, starring Amanda Seyfried, Channing Tatum, Richard Jenkins, has been seen by how many people? A ton. Oh, God. I want to go... Uh, I'll start at 300,000. Okay. I'm going to say 500,000. You're both too high. Joe, wow. what was your real first guess? 113,000. I'm going to stop you right there. We're at 110,627, 110,627. Average rating of 2.8, most common a 3, then a 2, then a 2.5, then a 4, then a 3.5, then a 5. It's all over the place. But how many of those 111,000 people have Dear John in their top four favorite films of all time? This is Letterbox, so I don't think it's going to be as much as No, but Brian, you're going to have like a bunch of people that just fucking love Channing. You're going to have a bunch of people that just love Nicholas Sparks. You're going to have, like, you have to, and a ton of people saw it. I think, even though it's old, I think this got to be up there. I want to start at like 175. Brian? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Now I'm going to go 57. Uh, somewhere in between, between 57 and 175. Okay, that's good. Brian, you go first this time. Um, 88. Uh, Some serious shit's going to happen at 88. One, uh, 112. You're both too low. One more guess, between 112 and 175. Joe, both, both times in the ballpark, but... Um, between 112 and 175. 136. 112 and 175. 136. 122. 124 people oh. have good, this good job, in their Brian. top Very four close. favorite films of all time. So I found two that we can play. Do you want to do one that is... Actually, no, we're going to do... I like one review better, but I like the other profile better. It's just going to be easier. And plus, this is running a little bit long. I want to end it one. But we're going to go to Agioni, A-J-I-O-N-I, with a crown emoji, at Agioni on Letterboxd. Their review just says Parachurar, which just means to cry. Um, Five stars in their top four. Dear John, this person's third favorite film of all time. Um, Their number four film, Joe, is probably the most important high school film, I will say. Shout out to Brian. That we have musical? ever covered. High School Musical, number four. That tracks. That okay. makes a lot of sense. Then, do we have do we have the notebook in here? Do we have another Nicholas Sparks in here? No, these first two are not movies that you or I have ever covered. There's no more Nicholas Sparks. Okay. Um, Brian, I'm pretty sure you have covered one of these. For sure. You have covered one of these on your show. Okay. Just before the pandemic. So very early in your tenure. In the first 100 episodes, you cover this movie, one of the most iconic high school films of the 1980s that has spawned multiple sequels and has more legs, which is kind of a little bit of a hint um, that I think anybody ever thought it would. Multiple sequels and more. This is the first one in this franchise. From the 80s that has multiple sequels? Yeah. Legs is a hint. Legs is a hint. So it's not Back to the Future. There's no legs there. Multiple sequels and more. 
multiple sequels, and more. One of the most iconic high school films of all time from the 80s. I'm assuming it's a horror film. 100. Not a horror film. There's not a lot of... There's not a lot of a... No, you're right. There's not a lot of franchises that start... that. Is it American Pie? No, that's 99. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, stuff like that. Sorry, yeah, I forgot the year. Okay. Agione also, by the way, has only rated 24 movies, but she's given 19 of them five stars. (laughs) That's my kind of critic. This person has also rated Mean Girls, The Notebook, Drive, Crazy Stupid Love. So this person would love Boyfriend Material, but yeah. 80s. Name some iconic high school films from the 80s. But th- that right, have, I'll also say you covered the third one of this on Mike's podcast. That have sequels? I actually don't know if you covered it. Oh, Karate Kid, Karate Kid, Karate Kid. Karate Kid, yeah, man. Oh, yes, thank you. Okay, there we go. That makes so much sense. All right, sense. and then the number one movie, Brian, we watched the first time we ever met. The first time we met. Oh, Rocky. Rocky. Number one, Rocky the Karate Kid, Dear John, and High School Musical. Interesting. I feel like I would get along with this person. Not bad, right? It's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I like that one. Pretty solid. So shout out to Agione for letting us use their profile. Again, they have no idea. Uh, Fire-ass titles. We only have one more thing after this, so I know that we're running long. But fire-ass titles, Brian, if you remember, this is like... To turn this into a high school musical version, what is the most core, the most basic, the most elemental thing? Because Dear John is kind of close. I'll just start with letters. Letters? Like the Dear John letters? Yeah. Service. Service is good. Coins. How about how about Savannah? But it takes place in Charleston. Currency. Charleston. Uh, uh, Asperger's. Oof. It would have been better to be Charleston if they danced. Imagine if he did the Charleston. Oh, oh yeah. And they ate Charleston shoes. The mules. Was... Clint Eastwood in the mule. The mule. I like that. The mules. Uh, like. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Um, what about this? Is a nine eleven movie? Oh, I got, I got it. Silver Penny. Ooh. Brian, you have one more to close this out with. I like the service one, just like service. Sure. Acts of service. Acts of service is good. The final thing to do. Plantations. (laughs) Ooh, planting. Plant. Plantation. Plantation. Rest (laughs) in peace and hache. So the final thing to do is we have to guess the next movie. How Channing is crying, shirtless, dances, and fights. So, Joe, if you remember three and a half years ago. You said this is not a movie about war. Because I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is about war. Because, like, Dear John, war. <laughs> Literally the first thing you said, not a movie about war. It's okay. about writing letters. Channing is commissioned to write letters for other people, much like in the movie Her. He works from home a lot. He writes these letters shirtless in his office. He goes to a coffee shop to get work done. He takes his laptop with him. Someone tries to steal it. Who is he, Lana Del Rey? He says, no, that's my bread and butter. He chases the guy down and beats his face to a pulp. QT-esque, it's graphic. Afterwards, he's so aroused with bloodlust that he walks straight into a brothel and takes his clothes off. He announces himself by pulling his dick out. All the chicks are like, whoa. He's like, yeah. He fucks everyone in the brothel, including the guys. As he's walking out the door, he's wearing a suit. He has a suit jacket over his shoulder. He's clothed now. Everyone's passed out from the sexual exhaustion. He opens the door, does a quick spin, a two-step, and walks out. I want to see that movie. movie. Honestly, a better movie than this movie. (laughs) Probably is. That's also a movie that we would cover behind the paywall on Too Fast, Too Forever. 
sounds Caligula. Nice. nice. My yeah. summary was it's a war movie. So I'm already like ahead of Joe in terms of like actually getting it right. <laughs> told in a series of letter, told from the perspective of Channing's girlfriend, who by the end of the movie will have died. So that's the movie I thought we were getting. I did not get. <laughs> it's close. Yeah. He's the star, but it's female VO narration. The movie's current day in the war with the standard military stuff, but the flashbacks will see that see flashbacks of tender shirtless in bed moments. Her with a sheet above her breast, him shirtless, Saturday morning waking up with your lover, his seduction of her, dancing and stripping. It's the military man, that type of thing. As she's reading the letters, she's reflecting back, but she's been writing letters from the hospital, so it's the notebook, you said. I was like, yes. In the last letter, she says, this is my last letter to you, I don't have long to live, or the last letter is from a sister, Emma's gone. I guess, Emma, I guess Emma Stone probably makes sense. We see Shannon crying. That's how the movie ends. In the current timeline, they're never together, but we see them in flashbacks. And then you said Shannon writes her one letter, Moondog's poem, Beautiful. So that's from <laughs> The Beach Bum. I said, I thought you were going to say he writes one letter and it's just a drawing of a dick, like a middle schooler would draw. That works too. So, you know. Perfect. So I basically wrote the notebook, but this in the war, right? So, yeah. Okay. So, Brian, you need to guess, too. So the next movie, one of the ones I have also still not seen, is a movie called The Son of No One. S-O-N, The Son of No One. I've, other than this podcast, never heard of this movie. I know nothing about this movie. Um, So, Joe, do you want to go first, or Brian, you want to go first? Absolutely. I go first. You need to guess how he's shirtless, how he's dancing, how he fights. Oh, it wasn't Christ. It was Strips. Ah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't strip in this. He cries, but he doesn't strip. I mean, he takes shirts off to have sex, whatever, right? But yes. Dancing, fighting, crying, stripping. Hit us with those four. Dancing, fighting, crying, stripping. The movie is called The Son of No One. Yeah. And it's essentially set in the Triple X universe. (laughs) Okay, okay. And it's about the war to hold the sun. You know, kind of like Pitch Black. That's what I mean. Sorry. Well, that's why I spelled the word sun to make it clear that it was not the S-U-N. But yes, okay, keep going. <laughs> oh, I totally ignored that part. I Because I, I was already planning my space war. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it, There's... I, I'm going to make this real easy. There's a, a dance fight to see who, who gets control of the sun. Cool. Okay. Kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. They do a dance battle to get that. When the sun comes up, Channing gets hot, so he strips to take his shirt off. Because is this in so outer space or is this on Earth? No, it's on like a. It's on a. It's, it's on, on an like alien a, planet. Yeah, it's like on like Pitch Black's planet, essentially. Okay. That we're okay. just. Yeah, Channing cries because he realizes that Zendaya is not in this movie because she's like twelve years old. Because she's like 12 years old. If that, like, she might even be like 8 or 9, but yeah, go and ahead. And he's like, whenever they make Dune, this will be a much better movie than this. And he breaks the fourth wall and cries. Well, they already made Dune in the 80s, but you mean when, when they, they remake Dune. Dune. When they remake that's Dune. I mean. Yes, that's, that's okay. what he, he knows that it's going to happen, and Zendaya is going to be in it, and is sad that he doesn't get to be a part of that movie, because this one is so similar. The weird thing is that while we've been recording this episode, I've had the Racer Trash Dune 84 21 on. So I've been nice. just internalizing Dune imagery. But I, like I had no idea, and I just brought up Dune on my own. Joe, Joe that was great. Brian, All right. what's your guess for I the think this is a, one? 
the son of no one. I think this is a gritty New York story. That's what I. Ooh, think okay, is, right. Well, because like, Channing does have two speeds: his military and New York. Those are the only two things he does. Yeah, and I think it's one of those. And I think he probably, you know, grew up in the neighborhood, right? And he never knew his dad. And he grew up with another family, right? And this is probably like, you know, like we've seen in movies, probably like a like a mafia family, or maybe not the straightest family, Ooh, right? Okay. And he grows up. See. Kind of maybe being a bad guy, but then he kind of realizes like he should be a good guy. I don't know. I don't know in what capacity. Maybe he becomes a cop, right? I don't know. But but he kind of has to disown this adopted family and realizes like the streets raised him, the neighborhood raised him. So oh. I think you know this is kind of a like I said the gritty New York piece. So the fighting's obvious, right? He he he's fighting in the streets growing up. That's obvious to me. The crying just just. I think there's an emotional moment. There's an emotional moment when he realizes that, like, the man who said he was his father, like, or, or who has adopted him as his father, is not a man he can trust. He never had a choice in that option. His real father, he probably thought he was a hoodlum, but he finds out that his adoptive father killed him. You know, what? So okay. So there's like that moment there, and he's got, and he's probably like telling the girl. Like a girl that he's met during the course of the movie, like when he discovers it and he's like, I don't know where to go. You know, I don't know what path to take anymore or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the dancing, I think the dancing happens kind of when he meets this girl early on in the movie. Like he, he's out with his boys at a club and she's dancing. He doesn't want to do it, but he, has, he does like an awkward bro dance near her, you know, like. Lots of shoulders. Lots of shoulders, yeah. And the stripping is definitely... Like in a in a love scene right before is like oh you, you know like they're getting intimate so we could show that this guy who's tough on the streets right he strips for her in the bedroom to sort of oh. you know uh, like show his vulnerability show that she's actually the person that he's opening his heart to instead of you know uh, and, and and just really letting go of this macho facade that he has to have in what feels like every aspect of his life you know so that I don't know how the movie ends. But it's just going to be a real personal story here. I think he chooses the, the path of good, no matter what it is. Ooh, very cool. I'm going to go with he is a military man because, of course, he is. He has returned from war. He's in a new town where no one knows him. He's this mysterious, shady, not in a bad way, but just like you know, this unknown outsider. And he goes to kind of a divey bar. And, you know, this beautiful woman, you know, hits on him and they, they dance together. And then her boyfriend shows up and they they were on the outs and she you know went to this bar to get away from him but he shows up and he punches channing and they fight and he gets kicked out of the bar oh. and he's you know down in his luck because he's you know he's a military vet in a, in a place where people don't give a shit about that and so he has a turn to stripping to fund his own you know try to just make it make a dollar to live and so he becomes a male stripper and every night he cries because he says this is not the life that he chose oh. this is not the life that he went to that he served this country for and it's real depressing and you know maybe i, I don't think we've guessed this at the end but you know maybe he kills himself because he's just like this is not the life i lived and like it's about ptsd and uh just sadness and about how we should respect our veterans okay okay Joey's is heavy that yeah, makes sense yeah yeah it, it makes sense right yeah, I feel like every one of my guests, I mean, I don't remember, we haven't done this in like four years, but like, I feel like every guest is like, he dances with a girl, they fight, he fights with her boyfriend, they have sex. It's like, I can't do the same thing every time. I mean, I could, but he dies in this one. Exactly. 
Just like that movie, John dies in the end. This is Dear John Dies in the End. <laughs> but, Brian, thank you so much for joining for this very, very long Return to Magic Mike. Wait, wait, wait. Now, Don't cut me off. I, I have more questions for you guys. I was saving this towards the end. I just okay. thought of it right now. I'm kidding. Um, have you guys ever been broken up via a letter or have broken up with someone via a letter? Wait, are you queuing me up because you know this story or no? No. What, what? I don't know the story. <laughs> you, you know this story. No, no. Uh, have you ever been broken up via text message or email or, ha- or have you done the deed that way? Via an email while she was in Hawaii with her mom. Yeah, I knew that. I just wanted you to say it. You did oh. know that. Of course you did. You knew that too, Joe. Did it I? Was, it, it's objectively funny. Like, I, I think it's funny. <laughs> it's insignificant like it- to me. Like, this 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 is like, like why yeah. would I? I wouldn't remember how, like, unless, <laughs> unless Joey was like, said something very outrageous, there's no way I would like remember this about my friend you know what i mean like unless it was like joey was married and he was like oh yeah she told me like we we're getting divorced via text you know i'd be like oh shit that's i mean the wild. funny thing about that relationship was that joe was like wow she didn't even last a whole lap i'm like god damn it like, oh, that's, that's so yes. funny yes. that's so mean but that's so funny that i can't even get mad but yeah what, brian lap. when that came out of my mouth i was like this this joke is either gonna hit <laughs> Or be, like, the worst thing I ever said to Joey. Because it was, like, right as it happened. And, like, I said that, and, like, Joey has repeated it to me a couple times I don't remember if I edited it out or left. I think I probably left it in, but it was very funny. Like, it was just like, you know, you're you're right. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, well, we had that, and then we're, like, now now we use, like, a too fast lap as a nice metric of time, especially if something, like shitty it's like well it wasn't even a whole lab it's okay the dear john letter to a soldier makes sense you can't pick up a phone and call a soldier but there is no excuse today for a dear john letter right like face face i'd be so pro ghosting like if i existed now (laughs) like that would be top tier move of mine i love the irony that you said if you existed now you would be a ghost anyway that's amazing to me no i mean like I meant if single version of myself no, existed I know. now. I love that your idea of your single version is to remove yourself from the situation and not exist in people's lives. And that's amazing to me. Yeah, just disappear. Like, no <laughs> response. Like, not, like, break up with them. Just, like, just stop talking to them. Like, I mean, I mean, like, serious relationships, too. Like, if I was in, like, one that, like, we weren't living together, but, like, had, like, gone on many dates, maybe even oh she was, God. like, introducing me as her boyfriend, I would definitely still ghost this person. Would you ghost after meeting the parents? Yeah. <laughs> what about me, Greg? Could you milk me? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there's, I don't think that there's a situation that I could think of that, like, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. Would you ghost your current wife? I mean, I mean if she's... The, the joke is always that if she's smart enough, she's going to do that to me first. Like, the, the whole problem is that she's never figured it out. That's what I tell her all the time. What's your reaction, really quickly, what's your reaction if, I don't know, you go out, maybe for the weekend, you come home one day, and Rachel's stuff is gone? I'd be like, she, I'd be like, she finally figured it out. Like, I'll, I'll be very impressed. And then you, you sit on the couch, you, you watch the football, or do you try to, like, call relatives, make sure she's okay? No, I think she like. This is, I think this has Rachel's gone from sm- being fun to being very kind of heady and like kind of depressing. What? No, I think that Rachel would be like smart enough to write me a letter and be like, "Don't fucking talk to me." Like, I realize that you, you know, know this, what you did. You know what you did. This sucks. It's the, like 
and like I'm finally over it. You said the podcast like, is going to be one hour long. We're <laughs> two hours in. Okay. I'm so yes, no. hungry. I'll stop. I'll stop. I just okay. I, I'm just saying. I think you would laugh a little bit if you saw a letter that said, "Dear Joe." I know you'd be mostly sad, like 99% sad. I think 1% of anybody who reads a letter like that is like, oh, come, fuck me. You know what I mean? Like, there's a yeah. little, you know, like, <laughs> I should have seen this coming. <laughs> like, just like a letter, especially in letter form. A letter. Yeah. yeah, like sitting on my counter in the kitchen, right? I will say the email I got for being a breakup email was a very nice email. So, you know, that also softened the blow, but, you know. <laughs> Cushioned the blow. But, like, she was the one in Hawaii. So I wish you were in Hawaii during that time because you could just have, like, some Hawaiian fun. Yeah, it would have yeah, actually no, I been was like in that. New Jersey. But I had just won my fantasy baseball championship, so I was riding high. You so didn't give matter. a fuck. Yeah, see, that's, that's, see, that, Brian, this is my reaction. I would turn the football game on and been like, I'm going to have a couple drinks and I'll, th- I'll read this later letter. Exactly. <laughs> well, this letter later. Well, I apologize, Joe. My hypotheticals get me in trouble from time to time, but I just like what? to measure a man. And I, I appreciate you, you uh, asking, I mean, answering that question honestly. So thank you. Just like the Beck song, What Makes the Soul, Soul of a Man. And apparently it's just, you know, laughing about things and watching football. Yeah, I would be totally fine. I don't mind your hypotheticals at all, bud. You're good. I, like, I, well, I appreciate that. So apologies for cutting you off once again. <laughs> well, we'll be back at some point, maybe, for more Magic Mics. If you want to keep, if you want the show to keep going, email magicmics.cageclub.me. Let us know, and we'll keep going. Um, but again, no one listened to the show the first time. Um, so I, I don't know who I'm talking to right now other than Brian and Joe. Like there's no other person I'm talking to maybe exactly. other than two fast patrons. So if you want to, if you like this show and you want more of it on a consistent basis, every Tuesday, too fast, too forever. I know it's a different thing. It's not necessarily movies for girls or movies for boys, whatever. It's literally the same show. We just talk about other movies yep. this week as this episode comes out, I think, cause this will be out like in a couple weeks because we're doing a little exclusive for the Patreon. But one of the most recent episodes is just Life in the Fast Lane, where we just talk about our lives. So even if you don't want to hear about Fast and Furious, just listen to that. Try it out. There's like 265 episodes of that. There's, There's a, a bunch movie of there you'll episodes. like. Gotta be there one. are so many episodes. You know, we're back. We're caught up again with Zac Efron and, and Ryan Gosling. So if you want to go check out those episodes. But again... If you're out there, email magicmikes at cageclub.me or just family at cageclub.me if you want to write into the Fast and Furious podcast and just let us know that you're still listening. And thank you for sticking around. What did I say? Three and a half years later? We're back, baby. Go to cageclub.me. I'm not going to do the whole outro because, like, who cares? I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Brian Late Night. Oh, wait, Brian, you didn't plug your podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, let me plug my podcasts. You used your plug time to ask us hypotheticals that you no, knew no, the answer no. to. Well, you guys know High School Slumber Party by this point. Uh, check that The podcast out. where you and some teenage friends look not That would be better. That would be better. You oh. and your teenage friends? <laughs> Please, don't put that out there. No, 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 no. Me and my uh, legal, uh, of legal age friends talk teen or high school-based films. Check that out. Both these gentlemen have been on that podcast. But I, I yes. specifically want to promote a newer podcast of mine with uh, Mike Manzu, who you listeners know. Um, we have a show called Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, where we discuss the films of Francis Ford Coppola. Cut by cut, meaning you know he has a lot of cuts by films, and we want to get to them all. We want to talk the pop culture that is the Godfather Apocalypse Now. Uh, we did a Dracula episode recently, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which he directed. Um, I drink a lot of wine on that podcast. I drink Coppola wine. Uh, Mike and I talk the films, and um, it's been a blast. I feel like there's a lot of crossover between these episodes. Sorry, between these shows. 
your show and my show there because it's about family. It's about love of a film. It's about community. And um, definitely check that out. Uncle Francis and Wine Cellar. And it's called that because uh, this is the Cage Club Podcast Network. Nicholas Cage is, of course, Uncle Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. So I didn't even coin the term Uncle Francis. That was a you guys thing on Cage Club. And I, was, I think it was firmly a Mike thing because he did the uh, the he part did three different Nicolas Cage movies, which still feels crazy in retrospect. Yeah, crazy in retrospect. Um, we all we will. I don't know if uh, Joey, you've listened to all the episodes. I don't remember when I mentioned it. But I, I am caught up now on that show. We will do a Nicolas Cage directed film because we will also branch do off. Sunny, yes, as a, as a bonus episode. Yep, into like nephew episode, nephew and nieces and children who have also directed, not starred in, because then we would just be doing cage club over again but um it's a really 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 fun show so please please support the show it's fledgling it's new it needs its support and love and uh, and yeah so please listen to that show thank you well i don't know if mike has said but like the next director we were gonna do for cinemakers i think was sofia coppola so like we were very close to doing her so i think uh, in terms of covering her movies, like she's well overdue on the network for some recognition. Well, so. yeah, and that, that's a good point. I'm glad you bring up Cinemakers, Joey. If you are the fan of Cinemakers who listen to that show <laughs> out there, you're going to love Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar because it is essentially a Cinemakers spinoff as well, I would say. Even though every episode you're like, look, I'm not a film guy. I know these terms. <laughs> I'm not a film guy. Anyway, I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. That was Uncle Francis, and we'll see you next time right here on Magic Mike's. When my days once revolved around you Counting my footsteps, praying